Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. So friends, we are going to be preaching through, everyone say Philippians chapter 4. How many of you know how to spell Philippians? Minus, oh, just kidding. I always spell it with two L's and one P, and I'm a pastor. This isn't good. Well, let's go ahead. Thank you, Ryan. Let's pray. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, we invite you into this room. You were already here, but we acknowledge your presence. I ask for each one of my brothers and sisters in this room that you would open up their hearts to understand the word of God. Just like Matthew 28 says where you, you tell us, go and teach the nations to obey everything that I have commanded. Lord, I can teach, but I can't teach to obey. That's your job. So, Lord, I ask that each one of my friends in this room would learn to obey the word of God by the spirit of God. Lord, would you bless them in their walk? Would they live a long obedience to Jesus in the same direction? Many, many years after I'm gone, I ask, Lord, that they would be people who are discipling, people who are listening to those who are unlistened to, people who are choosing to see the unseen and hear the unheard and love the unloved. In Jesus' name, everyone says amen. amen. I've asked this question plenty of times. Does anybody know what amen means? Let it be or I agree or truth. Amen is like truth. So anytime someone prays a true prayer, you can say Amen or truth. I love it. Well, guys. Yes, Ryan. Or, okay. Oh, boy. Well, um, in proper... Now I can't get that out of my head, Ryan. <laughs> Amen. Well, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's read the text and then let's jump into this sermon. Let's go ahead and read the text together starting in Philippians chapter 4. And if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, turn there with me and read together. Starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Wait, we we could just preach a whole sermon on that. Okay, I'm going to keep going though. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of God. Amen. So, how many of you have ever been scared? And if you don't raise your hand... You're a liar. <laughs> you've, you've been scared before. Put your hands down. So how many of you, if you've been scared, you needed peace? 
Raise your hand if you need peace. Yeah. Well, what does peace look like when you're scared? Let's say that there's a bear and you're in a tent. Would peace come if the bear turned into a kitten? Yes. Would peace come if your tent turned into a fortress? Yes. Would the peace come if you had a shotgun? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this idea of peace happens, peace often where we associate it with things that are understandable. Like, no, duh, I don't need to be scared of a bear if I'm inside of Fort Knox. Like, let him try. Come at me. But when we have the circumstances that line up with reasons to be afraid, we fear. But if we notice here in this text, it says, the peace that surpasses understanding, meaning the peace that's not reasonable, the peace that's different. What we're getting at is Jesus is our peace. This is the God statement for today. Jesus is our peace. Therefore, when circumstances don't line up and it does not make sense to be at peace, we can still have peace in Christ. And we're going to go ahead and read and look at how this text plays in. And let's just test it, Cade. Can you, hold on. Can we switch over to the other view? I've tried this for five years. Can you say got it? Like, no, no, you don't say got it. Cade, can you click? Yeah, you can. You can scroll the mouse down to the right to the other screen. It's as if like a screen share. Does that make sense? I worked way too hard for this, and it's been five years coming. Raise your hand if you remember me trying to write, and it never, ever worked. Well, today, everyone say, it shall work. It shall work. Give me one second. Okay. Hey. Okay. Leave it, leave it on that screen for just a second. This old man is finally getting technology. Let's see. Hold on, you whippersnappers. Okay, I'm going to pre present. Click accept, Cade. Boom, son! So we're going to be looking at this text and writing on it. So if you have a notebook or a Bible, I would encourage you to, to get that out and write on it. Cade, you can go back to the other view for now. Okay. So I'm going to get back to my notes because I apparently need them. So what is peace? Like, let's just, let's give an example from a different fruit of the Spirit. Remember, it's a fruit of the Spirit. But let's give a different fruit of the Spirit example. What is the opposite of joy? Does anybody know? No. The opposite of joy, listen to this, is hopelessness. The opposite of joy is hopelessness because in the scriptures, the reason why we can have joy is because our hope is secure. It's kind of like that, it's kind of like being buoyant. Have you ever tried to take, so I was just at the, in Mexico with my niece and nephew, and we had a, a big two-liter bottle of Coke, and I would put the, I would empty it out, and we just had the Coke bottle, and I would put the cap on, and she would try and push it under the water, but it would pop right back up. How many of you ever, ever tried to, like, push something down? Well, in the spirit of Nicaragua, we did a lot of yo mama jokes in Nicaragua when I was there. 
So this is kind of like to try and kill a Christian's joy is just like trying to say like your mom is so dumb she tried to drown a buoy. It just, it can't happen. Likewise with peace, peace is the confidence that God is going to do what he has promised. Peace is the confidence. So the lack of peace or the opposite of peace is not anxiety. The opposite of peace is not being able to see God in the Christian world. When we see God, no matter what is around us, peace happens. So here, I'm just going to literally read to you my aim. Every week I have an aim for my sermon, and then there's a saint's charge, what I want to get out of it. Let me read it to you. This is my aim. I want to encourage young saints in the faith, by the word of God, to find their peace in Christ and Christ alone. Because peace is the assurance of Christ's finished work, continual presence, and promise of intimacy with him forever. Peace is the assurance of Christ's finished work. It's done. We don't have to do it. It's the confidence in his continual presence with us and the sure promise of intimacy with him forever. Nothing can separate me. So that's the aim. That's what I want to do is I want to encourage us to find our peace in Christ alone and that kind of peace. I want to steal away the counterfeit peace that all of our culture is giving you and give you Christ's peace. And here's what I want us to do with that. I want us to be a people of peace who rest in, in the secure peace of God so that we can give a restless world peace in God. I want us to rest in the secure peace of God so that we can give a restless world peace in God. Do you believe that? Okay. So let's go ahead and, and dive, dive into this. I'm going to go over to this text. Cade, can we switch back over to the other view? And it's still working. Okay. Everyone say, finally. This, is, this means that he is, it's at the end of the book. He said all of these things, and then it's now finally. It's kind of like when your sibling just rattles off, rattles off, rattles off, and then says, well, one more thing. This is kind of Paul's version of one more thing. Oops, I'm on the wrong slide. <laughs> just Let's go back to the beginning. This whole idea of finally is built on this first portion. Rejoice in the Lord always. What? Rejoice in the Lord. Notice how it does not say rejoice in your circumstances. Rejoice in, rejoice. It just gives you one place to rejoice in the Lord. Why should we rejoice in the Lord? Well, let me tell you why. He came down as a man, lived a perfect life. He died the death that we deserved, and yet he did not stay dead. He rose from the grave again. And because Jesus lives and has trampled death underfoot, we now can rejoice in the Lord because it's kind of like my dad's stronger than your dad type of a thing. When we look at the world, when we look at sin, there are three types of enemies to the Christian. The flesh, sin, and the devil. The flesh, sin, and the devil. And every single one of those, we can look them in the eyes and say, Ha, my God is stronger. So when we, we can rejoice in the Lord always. Why? Here's why. It says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. What does that mean? Right here. The Lord is at hand. Okay, wait a second. It's talking about how we have to have the peace of God that surpasses understanding 
but it's telling us to be reasonable. Okay, so think about back to the bear scenario. If someone is not afraid of a bear in a tent who's hungry, don't go camping with them because they'll just feed you to the bear. They're not reasonable people. But this is, this is, this is the, the difference. We can still be reasonable and not be lunatics by having peace in God because, right here, the Lord is at hand. The reason why our peace can surpass understanding and not make sense to everyone else and yet us not be crazy is because the Lord is at hand. What does that mean? It means that God is never going to forsake you. Isaiah 41.10 says, don't be afraid. Don't even be dismayed for I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The reason we don't have to be afraid is because not anything else but God saying, me. I am with you. My hand will uphold you. If he said, don't be afraid, you're strong enough. You should be petrified. But because he said, I'm strong enough, we can have peace. How many of you feel like you have to be perfect? Man, I'm a perfectionist, so I'm going to raise all of my limbs. I felt like I had to do the Christian life perfectly. And when I memorized the Sermon on the Mount, a lot of people use that as like a self-help sermon. Like, oh, this is how you're supposed to be a Christian. You know in the Sermon on the Mount it says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. To a perfectionist, it was like, oh boy, I can't do that. And it caused lack of peace in me until I connected the dots that the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. He's right here. I don't even have to, he's not at voice distance. He's not at calling distance. He's not at sending a letter distance. He's at hand, right here. And in, in uh, the story of Moses, Aaron and her, this is what I picture at hand be. Moses had to hold up his hands for the Israelites to be winning the war. And every time he put his hands down, the Israelites started losing. Imagine holding up your hands for 24 hours. You think, oh, that's easy. Oh, no, it's not. That's actually a form of torture in the wars that, like, John McCain was in. It was like a form of torture. Imagine shaking and knowing that if you put your hands down, you will die and other people will die. Talk about pressure. Talk about having to be perfect. This is what I pictured. The Bible says that Aaron, his brother, and her, his friend, came and held up his arms. They were at hand. This is what it means. So if, let's say, in order to be saved, in order to be a child of God, to win over sin, just like the Israelites had to win over their enemies, we have to hold up our hands. But if Aaron and her, or Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are holding up our hands, is it really up to us? No. Do we have to be afraid that our hands will drop if we have a God who said he won't leave us or forsake us or drop us? No. So does that cause peace inside of us? Yes. Friends, even in the moment of sinning, lust, pride, greed, our hands have not dropped. We may have forgotten that we've been held up and we have looked the other way, but our hands are still held up because it says no one, the scripture says no one can pluck us from the hand of God. No one. He's at hand. So why can we have peace? Because the Lord is at hand. The next one, Cade, on the, can you go back to the other slide and go to the next point? So God is at hand. The next point, 
God's peace is powerful. What does this mean? We can go back to the text. God's peace is powerful. How many of you, when you hear the word peace, you think something like frilly and like, ah, peace. That's what I, anytime I hear the word peace, I think of like yoga. Um, my wife loves yoga. I don't know how someone finds peace in it when your head is between your knees and your leg is in the air. And it's like, <laughs> and then the room is like 100 degrees and Katie's like, ah, and I'm like, help me, God. Let the rapture come now. So anytime I think of peace, you know, we think of like gardens and zen, like we think of peace, or like a baby sleeping, like when I think of Easton, like, oh, he's at peace. Oh, he's at peace. And we can associate quickly peace, this type of peace, with the peace of God. And we think, if I'm not settled, if everything in life is not settled, I don't have the peace of God. Or if I don't feel settled, I don't have the peace of God. Ah, no, let's look at what he says. Let me just erase this really quick. Guys, this is the coolest little gadget. I feel like a millennial, you know, like, actually I am one. I feel like a young kid. Look, the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, what does it say it'll do? Guard. When you think of guard, do you think of a sissy? No. You think of this giant person who's not going to let you go. Like, have you ever seen Pan Kung Fu Panda? Remember the guards when, what was the, the lion's, the tiger's name? Tai, tai Long was in there and all these rhinos. Imagine if they had little like pe peacocks or something in there. Like, of course it's not going to look like a secure prison, but if they had all these big rhinos, that's what we think of guard. This is what he's doing. Look, peace of God. Notice how it doesn't just say peace. Peace of God will guard. God's peace is radically powerful. You remember when Jesus was sleeping in the boat? And the wind and the waves were coming up. Well, we in Nicaragua um, went on a boat to these islands. And it was like, oh, this is the calmest it's ever been. And it was still pretty, like, rocky. Now imagine when it's like the boat is up in the air and then down and then over. And, and Jesus was asleep. What? Like, mm -mm. guys, wind can knock over buildings. We've seen that with hurricanes and tornadoes. Wind can rip a car like a little uh, Hot Wheels. Just boing all the way over. And yet, God's words, because the God of peace was in that boat, he stood up and just said, peace, be still. Have you ever tried to talk to someone in a windstorm or like in a wind tunnel? You can't just say something. You're like, what'd you say? And you're like trying to yell at them. Jesus just, just says, peace, be still. And it stops. Imagine, just really quick, the fish in there. <laughs> like, I want to know... I want to know if a wave was 30 feet in the air and a fish was like, dude, this is awesome, man. And then he says, peace be still. Did the water go and all the fish were just like, ah, like a cartoon? I don't know. It could have been. It could have been. You don't know. It was just raining fish. But this idea of God's peace is not frilly. It's powerful. The peace of God, a lot of us, is actually our generation. This generation is the most anxious generation in human history. For me, I suffer with chronic anxiety, like actual physical symptoms of anxiety. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God's peace is more powerful than my symptoms. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God's peace is so much more powerful than anything man can throw at me. 
This is the kind of piece that can allow martyrs to go to the stake singing the doxology. This is the kind of faith that can allow my friend Dan Bauman to be in an Iranian prison for nine weeks and yet tell those prison guards about Jesus and then come to faith. This is, the, yeah, my friend Dan Bauman, ask me later. The, yeah, we've, I've told you if you've been around a few times. He was in Iran preaching the gospel. He was arrested, and then he had nine weeks in prison. He didn't know why. He kind of knew why he was in prison, but no one told him he was in prison. Then they took him to a court, and he was at court, and the judge told him, why are you in Iran? And he was giving him a way out. He could have said, tourism, sir. But instead, without knowing that there was two death sentences on his life for preaching the gospel, he stands up in court and preaches the gospel to the judge. And then he gets released. Go, God. That's, that's it. So that's, yeah. Why? Because the peace of God surpasses understanding and it will guard us. But it will not guard us if what? Look, notice here. What does this say? In Christ Jesus. Friends, there's a difference between the peace of God and peace with God. Before Christ, we were at enmity with God. We were enemies of God. Meaning we had no power over sin, the flesh, and the devil. We had no power over the wind, the waves of anything of life. And yet, God pursued us. And once we receive Christ and find the miracle of salvation in our life, we go from being enemies with this God of powerful peace who is at hand to now being at peace with God so we can experience the peace of God. The peace of God is what will get us through every life scenario. I promise you, not more money will get you peace. Not one day finding a good husband or a good wife will find you peace or a good job or even getting the starting role in a play or, or anything does not compare to the peace of God. The peace of God quiets waters and ocean and even the wind and the waves has to obey the peace of God. This is the gospel. Next point, because we're going to run, run a little bit on time. We're going to go back. Why do we have the peace of God? Why is the peace, why can Jesus be our peace? Why does it not make sense? Here, we know the end of the story. How many of you have ever seen a horror film, or I feel, I feel a scary movie? <laughs> Don't go watch those demon movies, guys. Don't do that. How many of you have ever watched a movie that you've seen before with a friend who's never seen it? And you're laughing like, they're scared. You were just as scared the first time you watched it. Settle. The reason why you're not scared is because you know the end of the story. And, I mean, unlike like the quiet place or something where the end of the story is just, the end of the story is not peaceful, guys. I'm just going to break it to you. If you haven't seen that movie by now, don't. It's scary. Here's, here's what I mean. This word, finally, can we go back to the other screen. This word finally is important because here's why. Jesus has been risen from the dead and he said three words on the cross. What were those three words right before he bowed his head? It is finished. It is finished. Meaning that those who are in Christ, who have moved from enmity with God to peace with God and living in the peace of God, we can see that the end of the story works out for our good. We can see that no matter what happens, God is in the middle of it and he will bring it to his will. 
A silly example of this is I, we were back, again, Nicaragua. We were delayed because there was a hole in our plane. And I saw it with my own eyes. They used duct tape to fix it, but that's another thing. All the students were like, what? Emily's like, uh-uh. But I get down to the gate because we're trying to figure out. I have 15 people that we have to figure out accommodations for. And I get down to the gate, and I just ask, like, hey, what's going on? He's like, you know what? We don't know yet. And so I was the first one down to the gate to, like, talk about transition or flight changes. And then I sit back. I was like, okay, she doesn't know yet. And I see 30 more people come up to her asking the same questions, livid, mad. She can't do her work because people are coming up to ask her. And they're freaking out. So I go back up to her after they're all, I was like, hey, don't let people get you down. It's okay. Like, you're doing a good job. And this one lady behind me, she's like, what do you do for a living? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it's like, I'm a pastor. She's like, that's why you're so calm. It, it reminds me that I need to be more calm. And imagine all of us, we knew we were going to get home. Like I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, at some point, even if it was a week later, we were going to get home. All of these people were like, we're never going to get home. Tell us. They, they didn't let themselves see the end of the story. They didn't let them see themselves the end of the story. We need to let people see the end of the story. And you know what the story is? It ends with God being true. It ends with God being honorable. It ends with every injustice that's ever happened to us being made just in the one who is just. It means everything that has been unpurely defiling to us or things that have unpurely defiled us in sin, it ends in the person who is pure. Everything that is ugly in life and in the world and all of the wars and the rumors of wars and every evil sin, it ends in God's lovely countenance. Everything that feels shameful, it will eventually, God will wreck it and it will be commendable in God's sight. Not the sin, but what is done with it. Everything will end in his excellence, in his excellence. Worthy of praise. This is what gets me. If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Do you see what it's doing? We oftentimes in our culture let our, our heart, what we feel, serve what we think. The Bible is saying, let what you think about serve what you feel. Our mind is meant to serve our heart for the sake of the gospel. When I let the unalterable truths of God rest in my mind continually, like when my mind is in neutral, what am I thinking about? Am I thinking about everything that needs to get done? Am I thinking about, am I thinking about, or am I thinking, God's got it. And hear me, it's not going to be perfect. Just like the raising of hand, you don't have to be perfect. God's holding you up. So even when we do fail, whew, it's okay. But go back and rest in the peace of God. Hear me. You can go through the entire life of Christianity without ever experiencing the peace of God. And you'll have missed out. You're not unsaved. You're not going to not get into heaven. But you've missed out on the beauty of eternity with God starting in the now. Friends, my prayer for you is that you think about these things. Who is worthy of praise, by the way, only? God. So I know it says whatever, but we can say whoever is true, whoever is honorable, whoever is just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise. Think about him, Jesus. This is the gospel, is that God has given us this ability to have peace that does not 
make sense. Friends, this is the gospel. God has brought us to peace with him so that we can have the peace of God to live out our lives. So the fourth point, if we just receive all of these things, it's beautiful, it's good for us, but it's not the end. This is the fourth point. We are commissioned to carry his peace. There is a restless world out there, and just like us, a lot of us came in pretty restless. Pretty full of fear and anxiety and worry and maybe not knowing what to do for high school or not knowing about a friend situation or not knowing, for those high schools in the room, not knowing what to do for college or what I want to do with my life. You don't have to know. God does. God does. But how will people know, it says in Romans 10, how will they believe on him whom they've never heard? And how will they hear of him of whom, uh, if they've never been preached to? This, we were in Nicaragua. A lady had never held a Bible in her hands. Now, if we didn't have a Bible, she doesn't have to hold the physical Bible. We can speak the word of God to her. And she holds the physical Bible, the, the living word of God. So if we go back, this is, this is where I get this point from. Remember, every text, a preacher, when they preach, and as you guys grow up in faith, don't think, Pastor Chase said this, therefore I do it. Think, where does the Bible say it? Where does Father, Son, Holy Spirit? I need to make sure that I'm trusting the scriptures. This is where I get that last point. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul says, I'm imitating the peace of God. Practice these things, and the peace of God will be with you. Remember, this is like future tense, will be with you. It already is, if we look over here, the peace of God which surpasses understanding, guarding your heart. But it will also go with you when we go along the way. It will go with us. The peace of God is not meant to be left alone in our prayer closets. Oh, God, thank you for making me feel so at peace, and then just going about life. People need the Lord. They need to hear the peace of God. They also need to hear that they are not, if not in Christ, at peace with God. This is something that's really big for our world. We think that God is just this big fuzzy fuzzy in the sky and that even if you live without Christ, you're just going to eventually get led into heaven where we're all going to play harps and it's going to be great. Friends, there's a very real urgency that our friends need to be at peace with God because if we live and we die without being in Christ, we're at enmity with God. And some of us in this room maybe have never asked for the miracle of friendship with God in your life. So if that's you tonight, I'm not going to be the one to bring you to that salvation. I want you to ask your friends who you know are in Christ. Because, friends, I may be leaving, but you are ministers of the gospel. So I am commissioning you. See people. See your God. First, see God. See the end of the story. See his peace. See that Jesus is peace. Know him. Let your mind serve your affections. Love him with everything you have inside of you. And then you are commissioned to show other people that God. Each one of us is a minister of the gospel. I'm not going to have this blue badge in the next couple days, but I don't need it. You don't need this to share the gospel with your friends, to bring other people into peace with God so they can live from the peace of God. You can do that. You can teach them the Bible. And if you don't know how to study the Bible, 
guess what? You have other mentors in this room that can help teach you. Your parents, if they know the scriptures. These mentors who lead your small groups. Other pastors here. People in this church will help you learn to be a mature follower of Christ, not for your own sake, but because there is a restless world out there who needs to hear the peace of God, who needs to know that there is something more than the counterfeit peace that culture is offering them. And they need to hear it from your lips. Mariah, do you know if we have a little bit more time? Is Tim still going? Um, that would be awesome. Thank you. Because well, we're going to go over there for a worship response. Um, now I forgot what I was going to say. See, there's the old man back. I might have the technology, but Grandpa Chase is back. That's right, you whippersnappers. Let me tell you about a time when I was young. The time when I was young wasn't that long ago. It feels like ancient. So hear me. Hear me, hear me, hear me. Jesus is your peace. And how will you know your peace unless you read your word? And how will you help other people understand the God of the Bible without knowing it yourself? Friends, I'm here to tell you, the Bible is not a textbook just to be memorized or studied or picked apart. It is a window into the very character of God. All these windows, they could have just been walls with pictures of the outside. But it's not the real thing. If we study the Bible just as a picture of God or as a textbook about God, we're missing it. We get to actually see God. Do you know that how Stephen had peace at the end of his life? Do you know who Stephen is, the one who was stoned to death? No, not Colorado stoned. Um, stoned with rocks, literally, like, thrown. So he... He was being killed, and yet he had the ability, not through his own understanding, it doesn't make sense to be at peace when you're getting killed, but he saw Jesus. He says, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Father. And this is the only time in Scripture that we see Jesus standing, the Son of Man standing, not sitting at the right hand of the Father. And I see it because we're in the last days with enemies who really don't like us. Flesh, sin, and the devil. And so Jesus is not sitting passively, but he is standing up, leaning in, at hand with you in the spirit, and he's saying, I'm with you. Persevere to the end. I'm with you. Have my peace. I'm with you, okay? Jesus is your peace. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.